Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. I am so uh, glad you're here today. I uh, saw a familiar face. I won't um, embarrass her, but I am so glad to see her in the house today. If you're, if you're um, here uh, for the very first time, we are honored that you're in this place and trust that you feel the presence and the love of Jesus uh, in, this, in this house because you are loved more than you think you are and more than you know you are. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's almost that time. We're just a few few days out. I'm ready uh, for for all the good stuff. Um, and but it's it's going to be an incredible uh, just a few moments here. I've got a very simple message uh, that I want to share with you today, and I want to welcome in those that are listening by Facebook Live, those that are tuned in um, on podcast. We are so honored that you are connected and tuned in with us today. I just believe that wherever you're listening. Um, I just believe that God can, can speak a word directly through technology. I believe that God has a specific word for you today. Put your hand right here on your chest and say, there's a word for me. There is a word for you. There is a reason why you showed up today. It, outside of maybe a Facebook invite or a family member or a friend, or maybe you saw the sign and said, I've heard some things. Let me go check. This. For whatever reason, you decided to show up and go, get through the rain and the crazy weather. How many knows it could be worse? We could be four feet under snow. Come on, somebody. Some say, not in Florida. That's why I moved here. Amen? And so there could be all kinds of things of why you didn't show up, but there, there's a reason why you're here, and that is because the Holy Spirit of God, the love of God for you, drew you into this room because there is something specific that he wants to say to you today. If you believe it, say amen. How many are ready to jump right in? I want to jump right in. Let's do it. Let's go. If you brought your Bibles, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. While you're turning there, I think um, we pulled out some, just a few, there was um, some new families that said, hey, do y'all have any more of those t-shirts left? We do have just a handful. Uh, I think we're, we're going to get rid of those for like 10 bucks. They're normally like 20, but we want to we clean the closet. How many of those? Because as, as you stack stuff, those of you here last year, you'll understand this joke. I mean, last Sunday, you'll understand this joke, that when you stack stuff up behind curtains because you don't want anybody to see your stuff, it has a way of just falling out all over the floor. Amen? That's what happened last week. So we said, we got to get rid of some of this stuff. So we're going to do that, and that way we can make room for some new, uh, some new T-shirts after the first of the year that are coming. So it's going to be great. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. If you're not there, say, hold up. There? All right, let's go. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Release City Church, I get to announce to you today that one day, it will be very, very soon, I believe it, one day the place where you meet will become too small. This room will not contain the number of families that are coming in. 
I understand that it's an, you know, we got more open seats than normal. That's because it's, it's vacation time and Thanksgiving and all those things and rain and all those things. But I'm telling you, there are people in our city whose lives have been broken and destroyed because of choices they've made or choices that someone else made and they didn't even make that choice. But now they are subject to whatever's happening and their lives have been shattered and there is a hope and his name is Jesus and they're looking for the hope and you're not going to find it on Fox News. You're not going to find it on CNN. The only place you're going to find the hope that you need to sustain your life, sustain your marriage is a hope in Jesus Christ. And our purpose and our plan and our mission is to make sure that every time you come in here, you hear the words, there is a hope and there is a plan for your life, regardless of where you've been, regardless of the hurt that you've experienced, God loves you. And I just believe this place is going, one day it's going to be, for those of you who don't know, this ministry owns 12 acres that we paid cash for that we raised in less than two years. I know we spend some time talking about finances and, and I'm going to get back into, into the word. And, but but there, over the two years that I have been the, the lead pastor here, not one time have you ever heard me do a message on giving or generosity, but I believe that we show you the pattern of what happens when, through stories like Adam and what happens through the faithfulness. When you give into this ministry, we give back out. That's why we were able to purchase that property for cash. Sure, the the price tag for the building that's going to sit on there is a little more higher. And no, we're not going to wait until we raise that money. But we're allowing for these moments of while prices are up, we're allowing for our bank account also for the building fund to still go up. I think we're just shy of $20,000 right now. Somebody said, what's the heart for the hope? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, heart for the house offering. It's the year-end offering that we centralize everything above our tithes and offering. Last year, we did it so that we could launch into the new year with, without having to worry about uh, uh, every week just paying bills. And we're not there. We've not been there for a long time. But, but Heart for the House offering this year is going to go directly into our building fund because I just believe there's some people that God has blessed you and I'm believing that we're going to take that money and we're going to sow that seed back into the kingdom and we're going to provide a place that those people we just spoke about can come and receive hope. Come on. Amen. Amen. So don't ever mistake that this ministry is about the dollar sign. No, we're about, it just takes dollars to do it, but we're all about the salvation of mankind and helping those who have been down and out find hope in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's all I'm going to say about that. I just believe that for us as a ministry that we are called to impact more than just the people who fill up a room, but we're called uh, to reach the people in our streets, the co-workers that we connect with throughout the week. That's who God has called us to reach. Amen? I'm just a believer that if you'll create space, God will fill it. And that's all heart for the house offering is all about. It's creating a space just a few miles down the road for God to fill. People's lives will come in empty, but they will leave filled. And that's our prayer for you today is that regardless of, of where you are in your life and season, the things you've, you've had to overcome, that today before you leave here, that you would also be filled. Where was I? Verse 2. Wow. I said all that. Now all I did was read one verse. Here we go. The place that we meet 
with you is too small. Verse 2, let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. They said, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. Everybody say, went with them. Went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down the trees. But as, as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. How many, that would probably be the furthest thing from your mind, oh, sir. If you borrow somebody's axe, it was a brand new axe. And oh, sir, was probably not the thing that, come on, we in church, just admit it. You probably would have said something else. You can come in on Sunday and repent for it. But it probably would not have been, oh, sir. <laughs> you ever bar- borrow somebody's lawnmower and it breaks down? And, and you're, you're wondering the question, did they set me up because they knew it was about to and they're trying to get a new lawnmower because they know the generosity of my heart? Huh? Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Would your friends really do you that dirty? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a story for another time. Amen? He said, oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it in the water at the spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. I want to speak to you from a very simple subject today that I can relate to if no one else can. And I gave it this simple title, When You Lose Your Head. When you lose your head, I always like to pick on myself because I, I stay out of trouble when I pick on me. If I try to pick on anybody else in my family or use them as an illustration, I get put on probation. And that probably right there is going to get me in trouble. But nevertheless, um, right before service, Amy, my wife, said, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, hey, let's go, go back here. And, and something inside of me said is whatever you're getting ready to tell me, because she already knows you, you got to be careful because I, I got to keep this clear because I know how the enemy will throw stuff in your brain to distract you from what your mission is for the, for the, for the day. And I asked her these words. I said, is what you're about to tell me going to make me lose my mind? Anybody ever been there? Y'all just act like you've got it all together and nothing disturbs your mind. But I know better. I know better. When you lose your mind, some, find somebody around you, tell them, say, don't lose your head. In this passage of Scripture, we see this man who has lost his head. He's lost the axe head. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you lost your head? Just, just be honest. Where's all my honest people at? The rest of y'all, shame on you for not telling the truth. Your spouse is pointing at you. You don't see it, sir, but she's pointing. She's pointing. Yeah, just, just, just last night, you lost your mind. You lost your head. Now, I don't know if you realize this yet or not, but life has this unique ability of sometimes squeezing the life out of you. We find ourselves in circumstances that we didn't ask for, and it squeezes. You know what happens when you squeeze a lemon? That old saying, whatever you, whatever's on the inside, when you get squeezed, it'll come out. Sometimes y'all need to deposit more Jesus in there so that when you get squeezed, more Jesus comes out. Come on, somebody. But when we watch programs that have vulgarity consistent, because I know I understand we live in a, in, a, in a time period where it's hard to find something. But if that's all that you put in, that's why when you lose your head, oh, sir, is not what comes out. And the church said, oh, me. <laughs> Amen. Someone said, I kind of like this church. They just real about it. Well, I'm just going to be real about it. That's, that's why we're here. Amen? 
See, life can exhaust us to the point that we just exist and we go through the motions instead of actually living to our God-given potential. Life has the ability to do that. Listen, it's so easy just to fall into a routine and mimic the things that we're actually supposed to be living. It's easy to come in here and go, yes, I'm blessed and highly favored, but you weren't talking blessings and favors before you walked in here. You were talking budgets and all the stuff that you got to do and all the stuff that went wrong last week and, oh my gosh, it's pouring into this week, right? But yet you're mimicking how you're supposed to be. Well, this is church, so I'm supposed to show that I have it all together. Bless the Lord. Right? See, it's not that God expects you to have it all together, but he does want you to walk in a blessing and walk in, the, walk in the favor of the Lord, experience the favor of the Lord, regardless of what's going on. But life has a way of squeezing us, and then we lose sight or lose our focus or our perception that it's still going to be okay. Amen? So in this story, we see this guy who finds himself trying to do something for God. Anybody ever try to do something for God and, and, and stuff just happens, like negative stuff? Like you're trying to do the right thing and then all this list of things happen and, and, and we, you lose your mind, you lose your head, huh? That in your pursuit of Jesus, it just seems like something's always going wrong. I was having a conversation with somebody before church and I was talking about my vehicle, and, and, and just when I said that, some of y'all who've been around me know that I often have stories about the defects of vehicles that I purchase. And my daughter said, why is it always us? Because her and mom were tag-teaming issues with their car, and I was trying, they've got busy schedules, and mine's a little more flexible, so I'm trying to, trying to get vehicles to certain places to get them fixed, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and she's like, why? That's what happens when you're trying to do the right thing. It seems like everything's falling apart. Why? Because, and then not everything's the devil, but the enemy will use the things that just life happens, right? He'll use those things to distract you and to try to, to, try to, try to change your perception of what's really going on. See, we have this expectation of one thing happening and then everything starts going sideways and it seems like life is just out of control. We're talking about losing our head. We're talking about when things happen and we respond in a way that we typically would not respond if our head and our mind was in the right place. Let's talk about sin for a moment, shall we? <laughs> what about when we're tempted to sin? The enemy knows how to back you and I into a corner and get us to lose our head. Come on, somebody. He knows what it takes to push your buttons. You thought your spouse knew? Let me take you. You know how they know? Because the enemy lets them know. These are all the things that push his button. The enemy knows how to back you into a corner. And when the pressure's on, what is our response going to be? Like, like, you're trying to do something big for God. Ladies, let's just talk to you. You're trying to do something big for God, and then you're married, and then he comes in Mr. Wonderful. And I'm not talking about your husband. Come on, somebody. A real church, real talk. Oh, gentlemen, you know you're trying to do something great for God. You, you're trying to help somebody and, and do this, and then comes, here comes Miss Sexy. You know what I'm talking about? You walk into the Gainesville Mall, you go in through the food court, and there she is, standing at the Coke machine like it's a Coke commercial from the 80s. Hmm? What happens? If your mind's not in the right place, your mind might take you somewhere. Your mind always takes you places before your body follows. Listen, if the devil can get a hold of your head, your, your flesh, your body will always follow. 
Listen, this is something else the enemy knows. Talking about losing our head. The enemy also knows the best time to tempt us is when we're weak, vulnerable, and empty. I learned a long time ago. I typically, not too long ago, it's been within this year. I typically don't take phone calls on Sunday afternoons after a certain situation happened in my life. Because when I'm here, I'm pouring out everything I have. And when I get home, the enemy knows that I'm empty. And I had a particular person call me, and because my heart is to be a servant, I picked up the phone, and they ripped me up and down. And I couldn't even respond because I'm weak. The enemy knows how to beat the hell out of you, and he's always going to put Mr. Wonderful and Miss Sexy and put this and put that or have somebody attack you when you're at your weakest. That's why the enemy tries to get us to separate and stay away from the church. That's why our groups, when we have those throughout the year, that's why those things are so important because he knows that when he can get you out from around the people who actually help build you up, that then when he does attack you, you won't have the strength to, warp, to, to force him off. Well, I don't need to come to church to be saved. No, you don't. But you need some of what's going on in the church to, to, to build the strength and confidence so that you can walk in the way, of, of the, the way that God it wants you to walk. <laughs> the enemy knows. Listen, he knows when to tempt you. He knows how to tempt you, and he knows where to tempt you. Listen, the devil understands the power of community. Uh, Just a little side note about the enemy, too. When God blesses us with things, the enemy knows he may not can take that from you. He can't touch your stuff, but he has this crazy ability to distract you from doing what with what God gave you and the purpose of what it has. Did, 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 did I, that make sense? He may not can take your stuff, but he can distract you from using it for the purpose that God has for you. Everybody say distractions. Last Sunday, we've not had, and when we put the leadership together, uh, the leadership team together, we know that our main role is for this to be a distraction-free zone because we know you're coming in here hurting just like we come in here hurting. Come on, somebody, be real about it. And the enemy will use everything he can to distract you. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is the music too loud? Is the music too low? Why did all that stuff just fall out from behind the curtain in the middle of the message when we're supposed to be dealing with, with what God laid on our hearts and for us for that? And that, that crazy thing happened. We dealt with that. I said, hey, don't worry about it. Leave it in the floor. We'll figure it out after service. And then the devil didn't like that I addressed that, put that to bed. And then he causes my head mic to start going crazy. Why? All of these things are distractions. You may, and somebody said today, it wasn't as much of a distraction to us as it was to you. The enemy is out to destroy your life and he will also use distraction to accomplish his goal. So how do we win the battle against distractions? Keep your focus on God. I keep my eyes on you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If the enemy can get you to focus on all the things that are going wrong in your life, you're less likely to, to go back to the source of the one that he helped you work through all of it. Listen, the enemy, <laughs> and I've fallen prey to this. I've been the victim in this one. The enemy will even put a door in front of you that looks like the door you've been praying for. 
He sure will. It's counterfeit because he can't create anything, but it's a mirage. It's counterfeit. It's a distraction. Well, I'm a sing- any, any single ladies in here? Single ladies? All the single ladies. Yeah, you, single ladies. Put your hands up. I know, I know, that makes people feel uncomfortable. But y'all listening to it before you got to church. And then you flipped on Elevation Worship right before you got here to change the atmosphere. I, I got you. Single ladies come in here saying, well, he must be the one. He's at church. Well, first of all, he's got a ring on his finger, so he ain't the one for you. I'll talk about it. And all the, all the guys, well, she must be the one because she's worshiping. There's a reason why she got her hands up because you can't buy no clothes in the stores anymore that keep this covered. Come on, somebody. They know what they're doing and then get mad because somebody threw some attention. You did it for the attention. Come on. It's called a distraction. The enemy knows how to push your buttons. He knows how to light your fire. You got to keep the fire in your marriage going. Then the enemy wouldn't have to be trying to light nothing because you got it burning for who it's supposed to be burning for. Listen, the enemy knows if he can get in your, we're talking about losing your head. If he can get in here, your life will follow. That's why wrestlers and boxers, they know what, what's the thing they go after first. They target the head. Why? Because if I can take out the head, your body will follow. What's the one thing when you start taking lessons on fighting? If your hands start here, they tell you to what? Put them up and protect your head. The devil, he's not after your stuff. He's after your mindset. He's after your focus. If he can get a hold of your head, he can manipulate and manage your life. And I just came to tell you this simple message today. No matter what life throws at you, don't lose your head. I told you this message is, if it was not for anybody, it was for me. Because I needed the Holy Spirit to tell me and remind me, Bradley Weber, when things get out of control, stop losing your head. Because when I lose my mind, I also lose the ability to control my tongue. I'm talking about me. I'll say hurtful things. I'll do things that hurt. Because I'm frustrated at myself, but I'm letting everybody else around me pay the, pay the price. And I was the one that could control it all. All right, let me keep moving. So this guy in the story finds himself in a position where he's lost something that didn't even belong to him in the first place. It was borrowed. He told the prophet Elijah, he said, I was borrowing this axe and now I've lost it. And Elisha just simply said, where's it at? He didn't say, like we think God would respond to us, by the way, when we mess up and we lose something. Shame on you. You blew it. You messed up. He didn't say anything. I mean, he's the man of God. Now, he's the prophet. He didn't, he didn't bash him. He didn't try to belittle him and say, oh, my gosh, can't believe you. He said, where's it at? That's all God wants to know. Will you just admit this is what you're having problems with? Get, bring it. Show me, show me where you lost your head. Show me where you lost your head. And what Elisha does next, it seems so strange to me. The Bible says he goes to a tree, breaks off a branch, and he throws that branch into the water. Now, this is strange because, because common sense would tell you what? If you lost an axe head, if you lost the iron, how many knows it does not flow? It goes straight to the ground. What are we going to do? We're jumping in. We're trying to get it, right? 
But what did the man of God do? He takes the most uncommon thing, a stick, he breaks it and throws it in the water around about the area where the axe head went in. It's crazy how God will take something so uncommon as a tree branch to provide the miracle that this guy needed. See, we think the miracle should come packaged this way. And God said, all it's going to take is your honesty. Tell me where, what happened. Tell me where it's at. And I'm going to use something you, don't, you didn't even think about. See, God's using, God's using somebody that you would have never thought could actually be used to, 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 to proclaim the word of God to you today. If anybody shouldn't be up here, should not be up here, it's me. Because I lose my head. Like, how, can, how in the world am I up here talking about the things, the steps not to lose your head? And I'm the number one, I'm the number one, I'm guilty as charged. I go back to last week's message. You may feel broken, but you're qualified. You're still qualified for God to use you. Amen? If you missed that message, I encourage you to go back. The next thing I want to point out is the prophet told the young man, take me to the place where you lost it. Now, the problem for us is we're too ashamed. Listen, church, we're too ashamed to, to take God back to the place where we lost our head. Too ashamed. If we could just invite God in and take him back to the place where our heart got broken. Hello, church. If we could take God back to the place where we were taken advantage of. If we could take God back to the place where we were physically and emotionally abused. Come on, somebody. If we could take God back to the place where we lost all hope because we lost that job or that disappointment. Back to the place where, the, where people that you thought were, were going to be with you for a long time got up and walked away. Listen, I know all about that hurt. If we could take God back, he could make all things new and make it right. That divorce, that betrayal. If we could just take God back to that place. Everybody say that place. God says, I can do a miracle in that place where you lost your head. That's why it's so important. And when I lose my mind over certain situations that, yes, I repent and ask God. But I don't just take, if, if, if I've offended my wife or my children... I take them back to the place, not physically, but I say that that I did wrong. I'm sorry. And I apologize. Sure. I apologized last week, but I'm still going to apologize today because I'm trying to make a step in the right direction. First point that I want to give you today is this. Your problem and your situation is not the problem. Your problem is there to test your posture. Why? Because every test that you face in your life is just a test to see who and where you're going to run back to. Your posture. Let me say it this way. Your, re your reaction and response to that problem. The problem is not your problem. The problem really becomes a problem when you respond and react in a way that is not becoming of a follower of Christ. Let me say it this way. The situation that's trying you and testing you is not happening to create a problem for you. It's happening to test your posture in the face of a problem. When you face a problem, does it push you to the feet of Jesus or does it push you back to old habits that you're, you've wrestled with in your past? When you face a problem, does it push you to the presence of God or does it push you into the presence of people that you no longer belong to? Listen, the enemy will do everything in his power, what power he has, 
He will do everything in his power that he can to test your posture, to test. It's not even about the job. It's not even about you losing the job. The enemy, the whole posture is he's trying to determine, are you going to run back to God? What you going to do when you don't have a job no more? Who are you going to run to? Where is your answer going to be? When I was in corporate America, I would say it all the time, and, and not, not, not to be bragging or boastful, but I would just simply say, this company that I'm working for is not my source. God is my source. I'm not going to work in fear. And the company that Amy and I work for, they would have you walking around in fear. I mean, you're working with Fortune 500 companies, and you mess up. I mean, we had people... We did conference calls, and they, uh, uh, one time I think they dropped the, the, the Coke president, the Coca-Cola president into the Pepsi. I know. She's like, it's something like that. And they didn't even acknowledge they were there. They listened to what their competitor was doing throughout the whole conference. So we lived in fear. Man, God doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in, with, with anxiety. He wants you to see if you'll still, he want, the enemy wants to know, will you still faithfully pursue God if I remove this stuff, if I attack this stuff? He's after your posture, not your relationships. Because if he can test you in those areas and cause you to compromise your posture, he wins. Here's the bottom line in the ugly truth. Are you ready? When it comes to trying situations, this is going to sting. It's going to hurt. Listen, when it comes to trying and testing situations, we don't like disruptions because disruptions reveal who we really are. <laughs> Everybody say disruption. I was thinking about disruption this week. Um, anybody else like sweet tea? I, you, we used to drink it in our house all the time. We, don't, we only make it if we've got people coming because they don't typically want to drink the, the um, non-flavorful things that we drink now trying to, 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 to cleanse our bodies and become a little more healthier. But I remember growing up, Robin Weber would make sweet tea. Robin Weber was from Franklin, North Carolina, so it was Carolina sweet tea. I'm talking about the kind that you'd have to go for a dialysis appointment with just one glass. I'm talking sweet tea. She didn't do it on the stove. She put it in the microwave. It required, there's this one bowl. We all knew this is the bowl that you make because it had that stain in it. You know what I'm talking about, that stain. You'd fill it half full. It'd be six tea bags, eight minutes in the microwave. It's done. I'm not going to tell you how many cups of sugar she used because you would fall out on the floor if I told you. Just take my word for it. It was sweet tea. I'll never forget one day I came in from school and she had, she, you can smell the, you smell the tea and the aroma. And I, and I saw the picture. She'd always just put the sugar already down in there. So then when she poured it, it would start the process. Well, she walked away from the tea, and all I saw was the picture right there. So I went to pour me some. Can I tell you, it was the most bitter taste. I was like, Robin Weber, what's wrong with this tea? She started laughing. She said, I haven't started in yet. I was thinking about that this week. I haven't disturbed it yet. See, we don't like disturbance. But sometimes what, 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 what God is asking of us is to 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 get us disturbed a little bit so we can experience the sweetness of the, of the life in Christ that God has for us. Are you following me? Okay? It's the same way in life. Some of you are looking, looking at life and wondering why life is so bitter and why you're so bitter. Sometimes a little disturbance is all you need. 
Maybe your life is so bitter is because you're settling for things when God has so much more for you. What am I saying? Don't lose your head when you experience disruption. Point number two, my, my final point. I only got two today. Your mistakes have been fewer than you think. Because many of us walk into church and we feel like we don't measure up. And I talked about this last week because we've made so many mistakes. But listen, your mistakes have been fewer than you think. This man lost his axe head that doesn't even belong to him. Man, he was distraught. He was upset. He was concerned. He was fearful. Why? Because he failed. And I came today to tell somebody that you're not a failure just because your mistakes have, excuse me, because of the mistakes that you made, your mistakes have, are, have been fewer than you think. Don't lose your head. See, when we lose our head, we give up on following Christ. I'm just going to give up on this church thing because surely God is going to give up on me because of all my mistakes. Maybe you're here today and you're in a disruptive season or a season of disruption and you're dealing with anxiety. Listen to me. Don't lose your head. Do you know what anxiety is? All it is? Anxiety is experiencing failure in advance. That emotion of anxiety, you're already feeling the failure that hasn't even happened. Listen, you are not a failure and you have not failed. But Pastor B, I have. You don't know what I've done. Listen, what you've done is provided God an opportunity to show up right where you are. Right at the place where you lost your head. Oh, and by the way, the only way you fail is if you accept failure as the final option. That's the only way you're a failure. Talk to any, any businessman. They're going to tell you, I'm thankful for the moments where I failed because it taught me how to succeed. Your mistakes are fewer than you think. The story concludes by telling us that the man points to the place where he lost the axe head and the prophet Elijah got a stick, threw it in the water, and the axe head began to float. Now, when you look at an axe, every axe has a head and every axe has a handle. Just because you may have lost your head doesn't mean that God can't handle it. Just because you may have made a mess of your marriage and you lost your head God can handle it. Just because somebody at your workplace pushed all the right buttons and you cussed them out, everything but sent them to hell, aren't you glad you're not God? Just because you lost your head does not mean that God can't handle it. I don't know what you're facing and I don't know what your situations have been and I don't know what has caused you because if we were honest, every single person in here has lost their head at one point or another. If, if you haven't, then you're not human and I'm going to need all aliens to exit the building. <laughs> now, some of y'all acted like an alien when you lost your head. I understand. But every one of us have lost our head and I came today with a simple message to tell you God can handle it. All he wants to know is, where did you lose it? Take me there. Isn't it funny that it was a stick that brought the miracle? 
Isn't it amazingly cool how it was a stick that brought everything that we need? Everything you need is found in Jesus. Everything you've ever been through and everything you're ever going to go through from this day forward that brings you hurt, discomfort, distraction was nailed to the cross. God can handle it. God can handle it. God can handle it. God can handle it. Listen, no matter what it may look like, no matter how difficult or hopeless your situation may seem, God can handle it. I know it may seem like you've lost a lot. God can handle it. I know it may seem like things have gone too far. God can handle it. I know things in your life may be upside down right now and sideways, but I came today to share with you, God can handle it. Anybody else in this building thankful that God can handle our mess? In closing, the last part of this story is so cool to me. It says that after he threw the stick in the water, the axe, the axe head began to float. And the prophet told the young man to grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Now, if the power of God can make iron float, what, why, did, why, did, why was it important that, that he reach out and grab it? Because God could have made that thing just float right through the air and go in his hand like Thor. Huh? What, 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 was the, what, was so, what was so important about him grabbing it? Sure, it would have been easy for, for the man just to stand there in awe. I mean, if it was me and the axe head started floating, you'd have had to punch me. Yo, B, pick it up. Because I'd have been like, whoa, I'm out of here. What happened? The prophet gave him instructions to grab it. He tells him to reach out and take hold of it. Something that I've learned about God. God will put what you need within reach, but he won't put it, not necessarily put it in your hand, but it will always be within reach. Because God could have just worked. That's what we want. God, just, just make it all disappear. No effort on my part. God don't work that way. Because then I don't appreciate the miracle. We make a mess of our lives and God fix it. Oh, he will. But it's, it's going to require some commitment, some time, some dedication. I've not always been the best person, the best husband. But I'm here today to tell you. And I, and I think every marriage goes through a rough spot. There is not one thing that is beyond repair. Yes, I understand there's some things in the Bible that says, you know, it's, it, it, it's okay to, to do the separation deal. I got all that if these things take place. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. There is not one thing that when you put in the time, the commitment, the dedication, the sacrifice, and you bring God to the place where you lost your head, that he cannot heal. He says, if you'll just put in a little lift, just put in a little bit of work, I can provide the miracle that you need. 
What's the word for you today? Here it is. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem is simply there. The situation is there to test your posture. Change your perception of what you're dealing with. Secondly, your mistakes have been fewer than you think. Stop being so hard on yourself. And when you lose your head, look around. What you need may be within reach. Everything that you need is found in God. All you got to do is reach for it. Whatever you're going through, God can handle it. And even if you lose your head about it, God can handle it. There are people that, as we go into the holiday season, there are people in our community who, they dread this time of year because family members are no longer here. Things that help them find security no longer here. Some people are without a job. Some people are without a place to go. Some people are without a place to eat Thanksgiving. I'll never forget one Thanksgiving Dad always would just come up missing sometimes. He'd just get in his little truck truck and go. And it was time for Thanksgiving. Robin prepared the, the food. Dad shows up like 30 minutes past the time that Robin was going to have the food ready. I may have shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. And here comes Dad in his little truck truck. That little red Ford Ranger, 94. But he didn't walk in the door by himself. There was a student with him. Who his dad wasn't even at home. He was a truck driver. And he was going to spend time in their little trailer. I know where that trailer is today. I know. I pass it all the time. Between Trenton and Jonesboro. The last phrase on that video was something to do with how big's your table. There are people that in our community that are less fortunate. I wasn't planning on even sharing that little bitty story, but and and because we're we're all about just family, dad taught me. Because I'm like, how would you bring somebody we don't even know to our most awesome occasion? Like I just felt like the cold water committee, like it's like we don't know him, we don't, you know, all this stuff. But dad was everything that he said. He, he was everything he preached. Maybe you can find somebody this holiday season. Maybe somebody you work with. Somebody less fortunate. Maybe fix a plate. Take it to them. It'll help you change your perspective and focus on what's going on in your life. But be, I, we're going to be we're just putting stuff together. Listen, don't lose your head about it. Some of y'all are just like, oh, oh my gosh, I got to go find somebody. I'm not saying a stranger. Dad had a relationship with him. Just because we didn't, Dad did. Just because we don't know somebody in our community, God does. He loves them. And they need to know string, no strings attached. Whatever you're going, whatever's going on in your life, God can handle it. Amen. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. 
For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come.